Welcome to Fielding Questions, a podcast produced in collaboration between Egg Country Farm Credit Services and the Red River Farm Network that explores the world of farm finance and rural life. I'm Megan Overby on behalf of the Red River Farm Network, and joining this week's podcast is market education specialist with Egg Country, Katie Tangen. Last week, we had some new numbers come out uh, from USDA looking at uh, some of the supply demand picture. Bring us up to speed on what we learned uh, from last week's reports. You know, September's kind of, usually it's a pretty important month. Um, you know, we, uh, we continue to change yield and all that. And there's always the potential for some big surprises. And, and there were surprises in the September USDA report this month. But overall, you know, not a whole lot different than what the trade was looking for. We did see higher corn and soybean yields than what um, the trade expected, but not out of the range of of what a few people were looking for. You know, I, I think a few things to note is that what was different this time around, at least on the production side, is the acreage uh, number. Usually, USDA waits until October, and then they um, they don't totally incorporate FSA's numbers but they do kind of use them as a guide. Usually, again, we don't see that till October. This year, because FSA was further along in the reporting process than they have been, um, they did use those numbers as somewhat of a guide. Uh, they actually were released accidentally a few days ahead of the USDA report, so were they probably already priced in, I would, I would guess largely so. But they didn't overly disturbed the balance sheet that we did see a few more corn acres than what had been projected back in June, but not outside of what the trade, again, what the trade was looking for. Beans, small change there as well, but when you come down to the balance sheet, by the time they were done ending stock estimate of 185 million bushel for the 2021 crop um, was just a hair below what the trade expected. So kind of Really ho-hum for a, a September report. Um, it's not uncommon that September's USDA number is for yield is above what the trade was expecting, and we saw it again this month. But it, as far as the percent over, you know, it's really pretty minor. Um, the wheat balance sheet, you know, a few interesting points on that. They don't change production in September for spring wheat because at the end of the month when we get to September 30th we actually have a final uh, small grain summary so we'll see more of it in about two weeks here but that balance sheet continues to tighten down just you know a little bit we haven't less projected imports for 2021 season we're obviously putting in the, the winter wheat crop in the southern plains now so that's not quite set um, you know there's a lot of the wheat market that's more constructive than what we've seen in a very long time. I mean, we still have plenty of carryout, both domestically and worldwide, but it's a lot more manageable levels than it was. And then you have a few things on a class-by-class basis, obviously spring wheat. Balance sheet is tighter than it's been in quite some time. Um, White wheat balance sheet, which is the Pacific Northwest, they had a pretty bad drought as well. That balance sheet is tight in Durham is tight. We are seeing some changes in global trade flows for wheat that are pretty interesting right now. Um, But overall, I think generally supportive across the board. 
are we going to skyrocket as we go through harvest? No, I, I don't. I don't think so. But um, you know, we do seem to have changed from where we were a year ago at this time, uh, and that's not a surprise. But it, it feels firmer than it did, and, and obviously, input prices would be one challenge going forward. Talking about going forward, we're going to be watching, of course, uh, some of these export numbers and sales pretty closely. And I know uh, with some of the disruptions we've had, you know, at at our southern ports down in Louisiana because of Hurricane Ida, how does that all play into the markets here on out, Katie? And that's a really good point. Um, There are disruptions because of Hurricane Ida. CHS specifically has already said they're going to try to reroute some of those exports to off of the PNW, which is, is fine, but the U.S. logistics system isn't necessarily built to turn around that quickly on, on short notice. So uh, what we have is kind of almost like the river slipped upside down where you know North Dakota basis right now, for, especially for spot corn, and beans is quite a bit better than what we see on the other end of the river because they can't load. So we've flipped it upside down where southern port values are have a less attractive basis than Minnesota and North Dakota. And then the PNW has healthier basis, but a challenge to that going forward is, of course, the rail system. Um, BNSF is the major one that will go through. There's a few other smaller ones. Um, CP doesn't quite get to where the loaders are at, but they can make it a good bulk of the way. But that comes down to rail freight. And what is that going to be going down through October, you know, when we're gut slot harvest? If you, if an elevator doesn't have their freight booked, um, then they're going to have some real challenges getting getting things in. And most elevators are going to have a fair amount of all, already allotted. But if they're over that amount, they're really going to have to pay for those cars, and then I would expect that there's probably going to be some delays at times where elevators can't load out because they haven't gotten the cars back yet. So going forward, that's one challenge, um, but we have some very good basis levels now that a lot of producers have already locked in. Mm-hmm. Well, and we'll continue a lot of these discussions this week, Katie, at the Big Iron Farm Show. Uh, We're happy to have Egg Country Farm Credit Services on our stage again in our Issues and Events Center building. Uh, Of course, you guys will discuss a wide range of topics as well on the Egg Country uh, stage portion of it. We will. I'll be there on Tuesday, um, and then I'll I'll just be discussing markets. I, I have a set presentation, but really... I would love it if people were in there and we could just kind of go through questions. Uh, we did that last year, and I think it, it was really pretty informative and kind of fun to have it a little bit more on the informal side. Um, on Wednesday, we're going to have succession and retirement um, planning, which is obviously a big big issue right now, especially with maybe some changes in the tax law with the stepped-up basis and things like that. And then Thursday, Joel Lisney, uh, who's an insurance specialist, will be up there discussing, you know, new policies and any any changes for the coming year. I do believe if my uh, internal clock is right, those happen at 11.30 each day. And of course, we want to remind people to, of course, we know farmers and ranchers are busy, maybe in the field or are getting caught up on other things this fall. Uh, we have a live stream link as well. So uh, we're going to encourage people to watch there as well, right? Yeah, and that's a little bit different harvest schedule than we've seen because of the drought. There are some soybeans that are coming out and I think 
probably some corn here real, real shortly. So if if you're busy in the field, that's a, a great way, you know, just like listening to the radio, can just you know, tune into the live stream and, um, you know, learn some stuff while you're you're busy in the field. Yes, certainly. Well, as always, Katie, thanks so much for the conversation. Yeah, thank you so much. If you have any questions about a topic, we would love to hear from you. You can send Egg Country a message on Facebook, tweet at them on Twitter, or submit your questions using their website at www.eggcountry.com.